Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Action fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain, and joining me as always, my co-host, Chad Cruz. Chad, how are things on your end? Things are absolutely fantastic. It is always great to hear. Everybody loves when Chad Cruz is on this podcast. At least most people do. All right. Now, joining us once again Hmm. as our special third voice on this episode, it's Ryan Campbell. Ryan, how are things with you? I know you are uh, on a high alert, the flu bug running rampant in your home. Yes. The the wife and my daughter have gone down. Uh, I am pressing onward, but I can feel the slow creep of death approaching. Oh boy! <laughs> um, so I am on the hunt for the Holy Grail. Solve this. Well, thing. that's very good because we will be talking about the Holy Grail a little bit later on. As a matter of fact, this episode is dedicated to the Indiana Jones franchise. And interestingly enough, just as we record this, uh, the news came out. I believe it was yesterday that. Steven Spielberg will not direct the fifth Indiana Jones movie. Good for him. I saw that. Now, I guess the next logical question is I know that Harrison Ford has agreed to do it. I don't know what he signed. I don't know much of the details, but I know he's going to be a part of it. Now, the question is, is is, is that going to be some sort of cameo and we're rebooting or in what capacity Will a different director kind of want to go a different route? So there's still a lot of unanswered questions we have. Yeah, um, I mean, my understanding is, you know, obviously he will be, Harrison Ford will be Indiana Jones. And from what he was saying when he was promoting his latest film, that, you know, shooting was supposed to start relatively soon. That's what I was in. Yeah. But I now, you know, it, it, it could be all up in the air again. Yeah, there's supposedly some scheduling conflicts. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. So the, the last film... Was that the 50s? 60s? I believe it was the oh, 50s. It was a, yeah, yeah the, the height of the kind of Cold, the Cold War. War. Where, yeah, testing. So are they going to pretend this is like 10 years later? Because, I mean, it's been 12 years since the, since the last uh, one came I, out. That was, that was my assumption, that okay. they would kind of continue that. So. And then I'm guessing Shia LaBeouf is not going to be a part of it, or he'll probably be in a cameo. Give me a roll. Yeah, I have, I have not heard about him. Uh, one person I'm wondering about is will will they uh, dig up short round for it, bring him back in? Is pretty cool. Is seventy early seventies, and then we'll put him as like some Viet Viet Cong leader. Could be. 
I don't think he was Vietnamese, but whatever. I guess we also should say to the uh, director now attached to take over is James Mangold. Um, Who did uh, Ford versus Ferrari, I believe. Most recently, yeah. Um, Genre fans would probably know more from uh, Logan and Logan, yeah. Right. So kind of a wide, he's all over the place. He also directed Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash biopic. So, I mean, you've got based on true stories, biopics, comic book, the Wolverine, which is a little more comic booky, Logan, which is a rated R kind of a great, like, so he's, he's kind of all over the place. So who, who knows? We could get rated R gritty Indiana Jones or, you know, fun bio biopic. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's any good way to do another Indiana Jones movie, especially with Harrison Ford being in his seventies. Um, unless it's cameo reboot or something of the nature. Right. And that's always, you know, it, it, Indiana Jones seemed like he could be a James Bond like character in the movies where yeah. every so many years you got yourself a new Indiana Jones. And of course, everybody would have a meltdown over the choice, but you could do it and this could continue on like James Bond has for decades and decades and decades. And you wouldn't have that question of like, OK, how much is you know Harrison Ford really going to be able to do at this point in his life? It's not going to be the same as when when he started out. Yeah, I, the problem with it is it's just been so long. I mean, even though some of those early Bond actors they did three, four roles, that, but they were so consistent and and the changes were made quickly that you it just became a thing. Like I feel like now it's been so long since you know 1981 with the same Indiana. It'd be right. kind of hard to to just kick that into existence now. I mean, they could try, but. I imagine probably some sort of soft reboot. They're not going to completely reboot the franchise like a different universe, but obviously they'll probably have some young actor that'll pick up the mantle by the end of the film or something. Kind of like what they wanted to do with Crystal Skull, but then tried, the last yeah. minute we're like, nope. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think if, if they were going to go the James Bond route, that probably would have had to take place sometime in the 90s um, and could have went on from there. But that did not happen. But we're going to go back to 1981 as ryan campbell pointed out because that is when raiders of the lost ark first hit screens and i'm going to tell you what i have a very vivid memory of the commercial to you know the the first commercials that were coming out to hype the movie really plug in the fact that this was a george lucas steven spielberg collaboration which was huge i mean because these are two guys who at this point had basically changed the movie game you had Spielberg had Jaws and Close Encounters. And then obviously Lucas with his two Star Wars films at this point. I mean, that was huge. These guys could write their own ticket in Hollywood, and they sure were. And you were throwing in Harrison Ford, who was beloved at this point. I remember seeing the commercial and running outside. My dad was out in the backyard doing something, running and saying, we have to see this movie, probably rambling on incoherently. And now (laughs) decades later, my dad calls me with similar uh, ways to, of communication, but it was exciting big time. I mean, just you, you had huge, huge players in Hollywood coming together to make what was really an epic film. Yeah. I mean, they're really at the height of their powers there. Um, and of course not, not being born until 1986, I really can't, uh, but I can imagine that was probably pretty insane at the time. Cause I mean, empire had just come out. Star Wars is at its absolute peak. 
Um, yeah, as you mentioned, Spielberg had a had a, a lot of built equity at that point too. So, yeah, pretty crazy. Um, I, I can't imagine that 20th Century Fox looked back at the, that moment and was upset that they let it slip away years before when Lucas took it to Paramount. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that was an interesting time. It, it's funny because Raiders of the Lost Ark is is so many things, right? It's it's like this, you know, character study on this this guy named Indiana Jones, and it's an adventure movie, and they there's so many homages to these these past films that Spielberg and Lucas loved as kids and as they grew up in, in the uh, in the filmmaking process, but in doing all these things, it became like it's its own epic film and it's i mean it's it's easily one of the best action films of all time i mean even a, an insane person can see that uh, you know you got to put it top five as far as like films that have just they, they they like go they're generational films that your children will watch and love just as much as you watched in 1981 and loved it so i mean it's incredible yeah they passed they passed the uh play it test as in if you're watching tv and really any three of them or, or the main three maybe not the fourth uh, are on tv usa i think paramount network whatever whoever has it at the time you're leaving that on you're just gonna let it run in the background and as you catch you know your favorite moments if you catch it in the in the middle if you catch it at the very end if you catch it at the beginning whatever like you're letting that movie play which i think yeah. is probably one of the better testaments to to any you know not just action film but just uh a timeless film. And and would it have been as timeless and would it have been as popular if Tom Selleck was Indiana Jones and not Harrison Ford? Ooh. Hard to say because Selleck was, was still really popular at the time. I don't I don't know. I'm sure it'd have been a different indie, but I don't know. He had some cachet. He had he did and he was he had a different charm to him, I think. I think that Harrison was um he was charming without being overly sexual. I think that Tom Selleck is more of like a, I think there's a lot more like sexual. I don't know. Like when, when, when I see Harrison Ford, like kind of, uh, kind of kick it with these women in the, in these films. Cause every film, it was a different woman until the, the recent ones. So he, he's like, you know, making it with these women, but he's not like, it doesn't feel dirty. And when I see Tom Selleck, I think maybe it's the stash, but I think of like <laughs> him having some dirty sex with these women. And, <laughs> and it just feels different to me than Harrison Ford. Yeah. I think he's also just smoother. I mean, so much of the way Harrison plays Indy is kind of the clumsy oaf. He's, he's, yeah, that's true. Flailing his arms. He's missing punches. He's yeah, falling gets his ass kicked. Yeah. He's getting kicked. He's, he's got flaws. He's not, he's not actually, you know, He's just kind of just a luck of the draw. Just throw yourself in the situation and figure it out. Not not necessarily Joe Cool, which is probably how right. it. Yeah, and he had Harrison Ford has amazing comic timing, comedic timing, and Tom Selleck. There, he he's done a few movies. Um, there's one movie, Mr. Baseball, that I really love, um, where his comedic timing is really really well done, and showed that he had a little bit more to offer than just like a dude in a Hawaiian shirt, like solving crimes and stuff. And, and I wonder if there would be a stigma with him coming from TV, would people not have treated Raiders of Lost Ark as this huge epic 
because you had like this TV guy at the time. I think nowadays that that line is so blurred. Right. You know, back then it was like, oh, that's a TV guy. You know, what's oh, yeah. he doing? That was one of the biggest uh, issues with Die Hard. Was yeah, Bruce Willis. Yeah, Bruce Willis had come from TV so much so that they took him off the poster um, shortly before release. They ended up putting him back on it after it was a huge hit. But and not only he, he hadn't done, you know, he'd done a rom com like TV show where he was like a, you know, it was completely different. And and I remember them saying that they were, they had a hard time getting that movie made because you know he was a TV guy. So I think there's definitely something to that. Favorite scenes from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Chad, what's yours? I mean, the opening scene to me is, uh, it's a pivotal scene in indie history, not because of what happens in it, but because of what you're watching. The, the fact that you're sitting on the edge of your seat, the fact that it's your first introduction to a character you know nothing about, and you're in, by the end of this scene with all these characters that don't even show up again, you're 100% totally invested in it. So that's it right there. With the exception of Belloc, of course. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wrong. You're right. Right. He, you know, that they already established that rivalry right from the get go, which was yep. which was awesome. Ryan, how about you? For me, uh, it's got to be melting faces. Um, as a young boy, uh, much of what I grabbed from these kind of you know eight, early late seventies, early eighties genre films was what I could catch in brief moments on uh, network TV. So my earliest memories of star Wars is was staying up with my dad on when it would play in USA three nights in a row. And like the first memories I have is like scenes from indoor and like a few others that I just remember before I even knew what it was. And for Raiders, for me, that's definitely, you know, coming downstairs or sitting behind the couch and seeing a bunch of Nazis have their faces melted off and being like, (laughs) what in the world somewhat terrified and somewhat like what is going on here and even before i knew anything of what was going on in that show or in that movie um that was like probably my first memory of of indiana jones yeah that that's something to stick with you that's for sure um for me it's it's got to be the desert chase scene where uh they load the ark into the truck and indy hops on a horse and it is one of the best action sequences in movie history from oh, there yeah. he, he chases him he's up on the truck he's being dragged by the truck he climbs underneath the truck it's it's just an awesome scene i love it and we're going to probably mention this more than once but the music of john williams in there just adds so much to it mm-hmm. just fantastic fantastic percent so much so that they had to find a way to make a, a scene like that in every other indie film. every other indie film like that and scenes like that really like they they highlight how good the camera work, how good a direction, the editing, like everything about the filmmaking process is spotlighted like in those kinds of scenes because like there are no other movies in 1981 that are doing scenes like that. I don't care how big they are. They're just not happening. And that's why it's incredible. All right, moving on. We're going to go to 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. This uh, would be the first time I ever heard the term prequel. And I don't know that it is the first prequel in movie history, but certainly the first time it was really widely used because the events of Temple of Doom actually take place before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, An interesting entry, uh, kind of a standalone, uh, really because of the fact that, I guess, because it happened before Raiders, you don't really have any of the crossover characters that you would have in the other two. What do you think, Chad? Well, 
it's kind of odd, you know. Um, the movie is has had like mixed reviews probably since it came out, and I I've always been in the camp that enjoyed Temple of Doom for what it was, and to me it doesn't. I don't know when I was a kid, so I was born in '83. I'm a little I'm a little younger than you, brain. Yes, um, most people are. You old bastard. Um, so I, I didn't catch it right when it came out, but several years later, the the idea of it being a prequel never really occurred to me. It, it might have been probably into the, the '90s when I kind of figured out that it was a prequel. Um, and there was always these questions like, "Where are the Nazis at?" Because Indy was a Nazi fighter to me uh, as a kid, and Temple of Doom was just so random that it felt like one of those uh, the serial episodes of your favorite show where they just go off on vacation for one episode and then they come back the next episode and, and fight Luke's, uh, Lex Luthor or something like that. But Temple of Doom, like it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. The visuals in it are incredible. Um, you still have a lot of the same charm from Indy. I think Kate Capshaw gets like a lot of crap for it um, because her character is so annoying and short rounds so annoying at times. And he's like so amazingly good at doing things. Um, I don't know. I feel like it gets crapped on more than it, than it deserves. Yeah. I mean, to me, and I've, I've, I'll continue to say this as this podcast progresses, I, I would take a bad Indiana, you know, and I'm not even saying this is bad, but to some people, this is a bad movie. Well, I'll take a bad Indiana Jones movie over a good somebody else movie any day of the week. Oh yeah. I'll take this film over every Jurassic park, except for the first one. Bold statement. Bold, yeah. Yeah. I think if you, you know, if, if aliens came down from earth, you never watched Raiders of the Last Ark and you just played them Temple of Doom, they'd, they'd probably really enjoy it. And it would be, you know, it's a, it's a self, it's a self-contained fun adventure film. It has everything you need. I'd think just in the context of the other films, especially again, someone who came at it later after pretty much all of it was there for the taking, um, it does, you know, doesn't quite fit. It feels a little out of place. It it seems to hit on a, both a lot of like 80s tropes, but also shoehorns in just about every, you know, key moment from Lost Ark. It tries to have like a, you know, adjacent moment in that film. So, um, yeah, I mean, on its, by itself, standalone, uh, I think it's, it's an awesome adventure film, you know, but probably doing it better than anybody else that tried to do it. Uh, but in the in the grand you know scheme of Indiana Jones, it, it just feels a little out of place. Favorite scene, Chad? Uh, probably the bridge scene. I love watching like the, the crocodiles or whatever they were eating those guys at the end, and the fact that a man so desperate who's standing in the middle of the bridge still has power. You know what I mean? Chop that goddamn bridge down. Yeah, no cares at all. He was not going to let the bad guys win. Ryan Campbell. Yeah, uh, again, to going on just the things that stuck out to me as a young boy would be the minecarts. The mine um, growing up here in Cincinnati at Kings Island, we had a minecart ride. Um, oh, what was it called? Is that uh, Island or? No, it was the one where at the end where the guy was pounding his fist on the last hill and he was like, you will pay. And it, it's like, like the big like stone guys. And then after that, you come down and it's just a little, it's the end of the ride. It was like kind yeah. of climactic. But that whole and it just you know felt straight out of Temple of Doom and and how many other genre films and TV shows have have kind of ripped off that whole you know thing like that's pretty iconic. Um, so it's probably what sticks out to me the most. I'm gonna go with uh, the opening 
chaos at the Club Obi-Wan, which obviously has an interesting name as a little nod to Mr. Lucas's other works. Um, just that whole the nightclub or the chaos and there's you know mobsters with Tommy guns and ice and diamond and the antidote. It's all flying around. People are right. you know, balloons are falling. It's just it's just chaos. Again, one of those things where it's like again, kind of like we talked about the desert chase where the storyboarding involved and everything that had to be put into making a scene like that, pulling something like that off. By the way, Adventure Express is the name of yeah. the ride. Yeah, I had to and look it's it up. It's actually still running. I didn't think I knew that. Yeah, I wrote it like three years ago, and I was like, it's just as fun as I remember as a kid. I haven't been to Kings Island in probably since high school, so I, I'm surprised it's still there. As a kid, that was like one of probably two or three coasters that I would ride. So that was one I loved. Talking about one I love, we're going Ooh. to 1989, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. As far as I'm concerned, I, I don't know if such a thing as a perfect movie exists, but Last Crusade is as close to perfect as I think you can get. A phenomenal film. I, I almost, it's one of those where I really debate, do I actually like this better than Raiders? It, and I think I do. And I think Sean Connery has a, a big part in that, uh, playing Indy's father. I love the flashback scene at the beginning where we get to see young Indiana Jones, which would eventually become a, a TV series. But Last Crusade, you, you bring the Nazis back into things. Uh, a religious relic is being uh, hunted down. It, it captures all the magic of Raiders of the Lost Ark, but then even adds on to it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they learned something from Temple of Doom that, you know, having indie fight against Nazis is a winning formula. And uh, I like like you, I love the, the opening of the film, like the early, the first act there where it's like the young indie and you learn a lot about him, like the hat, like this is how you do origin stuff, right? This is how, like, this is why solo to me didn't work. Like it's <laughs> like, this is how he got his hat. You know, it, it's meaningful. It's not just like someone threw a name at him and gave it to him. But um, last crusade, I mean, it's, it's my favorite indie film to me. It's, I would put it above Raiders and, there isn't a single scene in this movie that I would, that I would change. No, again, as close to perfect as it, it can be. Yeah. yeah um, I, three for three, easily my favorite. Um, some of that may be influenced by Chris, the brain, all the times we've watched it together, but yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, uh, yeah, it definitely knows what it is, executes on it, adds to the mythos, adds to the mythology. Sean Connery's character is pitch perfect the entire time. Um, expands indie his you know the things that he struggles with why he's the way he is gives him some closure to some things he's been dealing with in his past uh you know the great action great adventure it's just yeah all like like brain said a, pit, a perfect film uh i don't know how you, you get much better than that i would say easily the best third film in a trilogy if we're, we're going to kind of keep that self-contained first trilogy usually the third one is kind of the worst of the three. Um, um, can you think of a better, better? Excuse third? me. Uh, oh yeah. Death, no, Wish, no, Death Wish three. Death uh, Wish three. That was easy. Death Wish three, the greatest <laughs> movie of all time. All right. Uh, another movie that we've watched uh, numerous times. Ryan You're Cameron. correct. Yeah. Get, get it together. But yeah, Indiana Jones, last crusade. I love it. 
Chad Cruz, can you pick one favorite scene? I can, and it's funny because uh, it's not like a, a big scene in the film it, like at all, but when Indy is dressed up as a Nazi and he shows up and he's in Germany and they're burning all his books and Allison Duty shows up and catches him, Elsa catches him. It's funny, her name's Elsa too, right? Uh, she catches him and he's got he's got the book that he that he was seeking and Hitler walks up and signs the book. Like to me, that is such a cool scene. <laughs> I actually saw it on TV the other day and I was just like, I was at a restaurant or a bar or something like that. And it happened to be on TV at, this, at that time. And I like stopped. I don't remember who I was with, but I stopped and was watching it like five minutes. And, and that's, you know, part of that humor that is perfectly woven through, through the Indiana Jones series. It's not, you got those little light moments where it's like, this is awesome. It just, yeah. I don't know. It, they do it so well. So how many films could pull that off? Throw it right. In right. I mean, some, it doesn't, it's organic. It doesn't feel forced. It just happens. And you know, that's life. Uh, Ryan Campbell, favorite scene. Yes. Um, I have one, although I'm pretty sure it's what you're going to say for yours. So I'm going to pick a different one. Um, and honestly, for me, it's one of my favorites is the opening train with young Indiana. Um, again it's perfectly paced you get tense moments you get comedic moments john williams score uh you find out you know why he has issues with snakes mm-hmm. and i think one of the coolest parts is just the very end he, he spends the entire opening you know real almost fighting these guys fleeing from these guys only that at the end to get kind of a hard dose of reality about how the world works um you know to quote vince mcmahon life sucks and then you die <laughs> kind of what he, that he learns about how, you know, this is how the real world is and you got to figure out, you know, not everything is black and white and good and evil. And, you know, you're going to have to figure out how to navigate in this world. I, I think it's just a, it, like you said, it, it, it does more in that opening scene than what entire films that have tried to do to build what a character, you know, their motivations and who they are. Can I ask you a question? So does the opening of last crusade remind you of the, uh, Return of the Jedi, like Jabba's Palace, that whole part. So that that part doesn't really have anything to do with the plot of Return of the Jedi, but it's like this separate story that's happening. It's like this mini arc that's happening that has a beginning, middle, and then. I'd even say then with with Empire was like that. Like Lucas was kind of going through a phase there where the like the largest set piece, the big almost, you know, one of the bigger moments of the film is what kicked off the very beginning of it you, you could say for empire the the probably the biggest budget the biggest scene in the film is the opening battle on hoth right but yeah i could yeah i agree that that's that seems to i wouldn't say it's it's as grand as being like we spent half the budget on this opening <laughs> right thing. but yeah to kick it off with something like that i think could be and, and in the in the grand scheme of thing it didn't take up that much time which kind no. of then makes makes you annoyed by all these superhero movies that take forever to spit out this origin story before you mm. even get into the meat of the movie, which is why these movies are, you know, three hours long. Uh, you know, how many times do I need to, I know Spider-Man got bit by the spider. Just show me that. And let's move on. I don't need yeah. all this other crap with it, but let's just, they'll, they'll, they'll have another 18 goes at Spider-Man. I'm sure they've already had 22. Um, my favorite scene, uh, absolutely positively, when uh, Henry Jones Sr. 
is captive inside the tank. And once again, <laughs> we got it just like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indy on a horse going after these Nazis with something that he wants. And it just fantastic. Uh, it just keeps you on the edge of your seat. Still throws in the humor when Marcus Brody gets up on the tank and asks, how does one get off this thing only to get elbowed off it? Perfect. Beautiful. Uh, you know, again, I think that's another character who, who really shines in this one. He was kind of a minor character in the, the first one, but they let Marcus Brody have his moment in the sun in Last Crusade, and he he delivered. Sala's back in the mix as well. It's just, just fantastic. Yeah, I think that if this movie happened in 2016 and it was a Disney, Disney Marvel movie, Sala and Marcus Brody would probably have their own spinoff series on Disney+. Plus. They, that's a very good point. And I would probably be reviewing it. Yeah, we, we'd be watching it, no doubt. All right. Well, we are now going to move on to one with a, a bit of controversy around it, I suppose. Uh, 2008's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. This one people just don't want to like. And uh, personally, I don't have a big, a big problem with it. Is it as good as Last Crusade or Raiders? Absolutely not. Is it better than Temple of Doom? Probably so. Uh, what do you say, Chad? Eh. I think Temple of Doom's better. Um, okay. That's where I'm at. I mean, I'm not mad that they came back to the story. I'm not mad that they came back to the character. I like that he he's aged. He's 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 a little bit different. My problem is that there's so much time spent building up this character that would that would be his son to right. take up the mantle after after he's done. And then at the end, they, they don't pull the trigger. Like I, to me, it's like this whole film is designed to make Shia LaBeouf's character the next indie, the next like this next hero character who carries on this franchise. And then they don't pull the trigger, and it's basically just a slap in the face to him. And at the end of the film, all I want to do is be like, all right, well, either this is the end of indie. He just got married. He's no longer like this this bachelor, you know, this this charming dude who picks up all these women. He's married now, and he's got this kid that he's he's ready to be a father to, I guess. Um, either end it here or push it forward with Shia's character, and they didn't they didn't do either, obviously. Well, here's the thing. More than that, even Paramount had put a ton of other films into building up Shia. They had put him in um, Disturbia, which was a really early like horror film that Paramount mm-hmm. did to try to give him some credibility coming out of Disney. Uh, Transformers was before that. That was like the summer before trying to make him look like the block. You know, this guy can be a blockbuster action star. Like they were literally not just putting time and effort into that movie, but giving him key roles in other movies all to build up credibility so they they could give him the mantle of Indiana Jones. And then, like you said, at the end, they just kind of pulled the eject button. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. And Crystal Skull, like it has so many great characters, character actors in it, like Ray Weinstone, John Hurt, like they're really good in it. And I don't even mind the story. Like I like the idea of it being Cold War era, like obviously Harrison Ford's older and you have to age the story along with the, with the actor's ages. Um, now, some of the scenes in it are kind of silly. The refrigerator scene, like stuff like that. The ants, like all that shit I didn't like. But um, there's a lot of things in the movie I enjoy. Like it's entertaining film. And I can watch it as an indie fan and enjoy it. I'm not going to like throw something at the TV when it's on, but 
to me, it's still my least favorite indie film, which is still a good thing. Right. You you mentioned the refrigerator scene, and I know this is definitely a bone of contention with some people, but is it really any more ridiculous than closing your eyes will stop you from dying, having your face melted off from yes. the wrath of God? I think that's, yeah, that's what I don't kind of get is everybody, and to, to also kind of throw in the fatty idea of aliens, um, if we're like, why are aliens just a bridge too far, but, but we're cool with all of the religious relics, you know, like, I, I guess, yeah. Like, I, to like that, the, the, some of the stuff that we would accept from before, you know, why are we, are we, you know, clutching our pearls at it now because it's aliens or something different like that. And again, this came out in 2008. So at this point, movies had really upped the ante on the ridiculousness. So I think that's part of the reason uh, maybe they went like, let's go, let's go for it. You know, this is nothing compared to you know, like, do you see the fast and furious trailer? <laughs> Have you seen the ridiculous? I mean, there, there's a truck that completely flipping over there driving on a rope bridge that's falling apart. I don't understand any of it. Then but... He like catches it and it kept, and then he swings to the other side of the ravine. In a car. Right. I mean, this is where this is all, you know, this isn't like all of a sudden they just, Oh, let's go crazy. No, this is where movies are headed. And yeah, that's probably why the old movies are better, but you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I'm already the old guy. I don't need to sound like, I mean, on a cringe factor, I, I kind of put it above, I would say even the prequel trilogy, especially episodes one and two for star Wars. But even those, I, I kind of relate crystal skull to episode one a lot where there are times where I will sit there and watch that entire film and be like, man, that is not nearly as bad as everyone makes it out to be. That is entertaining. It's fun. You know, there's action. And then there's times where I watch it, where I feel ashamed and (laughs) I don't want anyone to walk in and see me watching this movie. Uh, I don't know what relates to it. I don't know if it's just a certain mood I'm in, but uh, it, it, I kind of compare it to episode one in that way where, I mean, there's times where I'm like, I'm sitting there defending it and I'm like, yeah, everyone needs, this isn't nearly as bad as everyone makes it out to be. And there are times where I watch it through cracks in my hands, you know, ashamed of who I am. And, and how different would a fourth Indiana Jones movie have been if it was made in 1998, 10 years earlier? Yeah, do you for think sure. do you think it would have had as as much of a hate because you know it was almost set to fail. Yeah, in, indie to me has always reminded me a lot of uh the Ghostbusters franchise and that in the early 80s like the kids that I knew that were huge indie fans were also huge Ghostbusters fans and and when these movies came out like everything those char- all the characters in the movies they're like nerds and stuff but they're like super cool like everything they're doing is awesome. And um, when they tried to reboot Ghostbusters a few years ago, it was just set up to fail. Like you said, Indy was like, like there was just nothing they could do that could relive what Bill Murray and, and, and the other guys did. Like, there's just no way to bring that back. So, and they're trying again. So, you know, again later this year. let them live. We'll see if it happens or not. I doubt it. Looks like it's Stranger Things, the movie, but we'll see. And yeah, I think there's just, there's also this that segment of the population that if something isn't exactly as how they envisioned it, it's instant garbage. Like, Oh, yeah. that's not how I would have done it. And it's like, okay, well get the money and the funding and, and become a writer or director and do your own movie. It's like, I, I don't know what that. And we get, we get set photos. We get shots of like unfinished costumes with no CGI and everyone thinks it looks ridiculous. 
people look at what the Lego sets are going to be and start trying to figure out what the plots are going to be. So by the time these movies right. come out, people are, their imaginations are just gone wild with who's this, what's this, what this means, what's going to happen. And then when they're wrong, they, you know, they're watching the film and they're comparing and they're some even physically taking notes and they're just, you know, they're, they're not losing themselves in the film because they're, they're and then, they're, then they'll come out and they'll tell you, oh, this so-and-so happened and it sucked me out of the film, which is like the stupidest. I hate when people say that. Like you sucked yourself out of the film when you walked in there with your checklist of things that if the movie didn't do, you were going to be upset about. Like you took yourself out of the film, you know, which it's hard to do. It's hard to turn your turn your brain off, not let not see anything and just go into the movie fresh. But that's just kind of the sign of the time we live in. All right. Well, we've talked about some of let's let's talk about some of the good. So favorite scene in, in Crystal Skull, Chad Cruz. Uh, you know, when I think back, my favorite scene, it's not a big scene really, but the uh, the motorcycle chase early on in the film with, with Indy and, and little Shia, Shia back there on the back with his leather jacket, um, going through the university. Um, and, and like, to me, that was fun. Like, it's a fun scene. Uh, they're riding through these, the library and like, it felt like an old, like an indie movie. It right. didn't feel like it was trying too hard to be an indie movie. And it, I don't know. It felt like it fit in. It could have fit in into any film. You know, they, they did chasing so well in all the other films. This one wasn't as good, but it didn't have to be as good because it wasn't at the end of the movie. It was at the beginning. Yeah. And I, I like the little nod to Marcus Brody. You know, they have the statue and yep. unfortunately it's decapitated, but it was nice to have that little nod. Ryan Campbell. Your favorite scene? Yeah, um, I'd say the the kind of the penultimate chase in that film is probably the one in the in the forest with the tanks and saw blades. But um, I think probably my favorite moment is probably about the middle of the film when Mutt and Indy are in the kind of like the I guess the Aztec graveyard with like the cannibals or whatever. Um, and at the very end of it is kind of like when Indy somewhat kind of comes out as being uh, a badass at this point, but seen him do some stuff, but he's still not kind of sure about this old timer. That's a teacher. And uh, there's a scene where he's kind of at a low angle. He looks up and, and Indy's like at the crest and there's light behind him. And he's just like, you know, that's the moment where he's like, Holy crap, this guy's still got it. Or whoever this guy is, he's, he's a badass. Um, so, I mean, it's not like, a, again, not like the giant tentpole moment of the film, but that's kind of when you see like, yeah, Indy's still got it. And for me, I think it's the very beginning where they're in the warehouse where the Lost Ark is. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, a nice little nod to the past um, and just, just that classic, like one thing leads to the other and it's just boom, 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 boom. Classic Indiana Jones uh, action scene. With another chase. There's like four chases in this movie. <laughs> For sixty-year-old man, and what's funny, you know, <laughs> the thing I always loved about the indie films growing up was that he was a human guy, and he got beat up, and he bled, and you could see the pain in his face. But with with you know this newest film, he is like swinging off things, and it it's, it reminds me a lot of uh, Live Free or Die Hard, uh, where. You go from a guy who's like stepping on glass and like bleeding everywhere and cursing like crazy to do like fighting a fighter jet. <laughs> like, like what do you, what, what, what have we become? You know what I mean? Like what happened to humanity? What happened to a guy against all odds 
putting it all on the line and fighting against these bad dudes. Now you have a guy, a man fighting a fighter jet. And now we have dudes swinging from fucking boxes and jumping everywhere. I just, it didn't feel like Indy to me. And uh, much like Die Hard, Indiana Jones, you kind of, it had its share of clones and copycats and uh, might be a good time to talk about some of those. I think probably the, the most successful of those would be uh, the, the two romancing the stone movies. Yeah, definitely. I'd say, um, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever even seen them. Um, the romancing the stones. I'm familiar, but I'd say for me, my favorite kind of indie clone is the uncharted series on uh, PlayStation. So, um, there's four different ones, but uh, they're all, and again, they're all really good. They have all got their pluses, their ups and downs, but the series as a whole, I, you know, it, it's got puzzles and adventures and Nathan Drake is very much like Indiana Jones who gets his butt kicked at every turn. Um, so anybody out there with a PlayStation three or four, I would really recommend checking out the uncharted series. If you have it, if you're an indie fan. Yeah. My, my favorite indie clone and, and I'm, I'm speaking purely on film clone would be uh alan quartermain right and a big richard chamberlain fan like i love king solomon's minds um even when they did the uh, remind me what the second one was called lost city of gold Gold. so lost city gold was a little bit different not as good in my eyes but uh still very fun uh but the character was he was so similar to indy like he was charismatic uh he did have a beard which made him set him set him off a little bit differently but um sharon stone was super hot in it and like he was on these crazy adventures and they had the comedic flair that indy always had and uh yeah people getting dropped into lava people falling into things that and eaten by alligators like those were things that you know if you only watched movies from 1984 or 1985 or whatever you would expect that in my lifetime, I'll see two people be eaten by alligators because I see it in movies every single day. And of course, those movies were made by our good friends at Canon Film. Right. And, uh, you know, that they, they were definitely wanting in to cash in on the indie fame. And they even had Firewalker, which Firewalker, had kind of yeah. an Indiana Jones vibe with uh, Chuck Norris and Louis Gossett Jr. in definitely. there. Um, for me, uh, you know, this one may be kind of obvious, would be the Mummy movies. At least oh, the first yeah. two, um, you know, that they kind of were in that spot. Like if, if they would have made an Indiana Jones in the late nineties, we may not have gotten the mummy. The first mummy is probably one of my favorite movies of the nineties. Like it, like it's incredible. And it has those scenes in it, like indie, like the indie films where they, they set up not the, the plot of the film, but the characters and like, this is who they are in, eight minutes in an eight minute scene with epic action where he's like in the French foreign legion and he's fighting these guys. Like we learned so much about him in eight minutes that you couldn't have just slipped into this, you know, into the plot line. Like we had to have our own little arc and that's what Indy always did so well. And the fact that, you know, it came back kind of helped launch the rocks career. You know, they had to rock as a scorpion King in that second yeah. one. And then he had his own spinoff, the scorpion King. So yeah, good, good movies there with the mummy. Are they as good as the indie films? No, but I, yeah. as far as, as a, far as a takeoffs, I think those would be my favorite. Of course, Indiana Jones also had a, a TV series, at least young Indiana Jones did. Um, 
and we talked about it earlier with Disney Plus. Who knows? You know what could be next. I'm actually surprised there's never been an animated Indiana Jones series. Yeah, that's uh, you know maybe part of that is the time frame where he's where he's kind of doing all his adventuring, and is it is it that easy to do an animated Nazi regime? probably not but yeah obviously he can be looking for all sorts of relics and that's true that's true getting you know he could be in south america running into all kinds of you know tribes yeah and generic communist you know fatigued or other like another belloc you know maybe you can even go prequel on that and his rivalry with belloc obviously these two did not like each other so that you could go way back and and trace how that happened and Maybe they were friends at one point, or who knows? I mean, there's a lot you can do with it. What was the T. Career show? Was that like Relic something? Relic, Relic Hunter. Hunter. Relic I believe Hunter. Relic Hunter. Yeah. It. yeah, it's crazy. There's not more like books either. I mean, because the big thing after Star Wars was done was all the different books, the expanded universe. With you know, yeah. that, that there's there like were some books. Fifty they, books. Yeah, I don't think he is at fifty, but yeah, there were definitely some books. There were some video games. Uh, as well, you know, actual Indiana Jones video games that had some pretty interesting storylines to it that could probably have been made into a movie. Um, comic books he had as well. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I don't think it's a, a going out on a limb to believe that with Disney Plus, we probably will get some sort of Indiana Jones content in a, a, a series form, whether it's yeah. animated or live action. Or Are they planning to put the films on Disney Plus? Or who kind of, I guess... How's that work? Because they still play on the Paramount Network, but Disney bought Lucasfilm, and I thought they got Indy and that deal. I'd have to look into that a little bit more to figure out what what exactly is the story behind all that. Because the new movie is going to be Lucasfilm and Disney. Right. But I guess Paramount still has the broadcast rights to the the other films, I assume. I think think they'll come out with something, and I I can't... I can't say that that's why they're making this new film, but I think they need to take advantage of the popularity of the character and all these original films to make money on the action figures because Indy has never really had like they've had, there's an action figure line out there, but they've never like, they don't have star Wars. They don't have GI Joe's. They don't have like this massive, industry right. of action figures and you could easily do that you know what i mean there's a lot of characters you can you could sell action figures for for indie the indie films and even if you come out with a new film you make all these retro figures from the earlier films boom you just sell them all all right well great discussion about the indiana jones franchise i want to remind everybody about our social media we are at bulletproof action on instagram and facebook and at bulletproof pod on twitter and you can also check out our youtube channel at bulletproof media but before we go since we've been talking about holy grails and whatnot what is everyone's or maybe you have more than one chad do you have a holy grail something you've always wanted out there in the world that you just haven't attained i do i do please share please share with the group oh you want me to share okay um well you know I, i was thinking about this uh uh, the, the first time you mentioned it was just a few seconds ago, of course, to me. Uh, That's wrong. I've been thinking about it ever since. And That's uh, as far as, far as uh, uh, the action genre goes, I've been thinking about my Holy Grail. And it has to be, 
um, the sword from Highlander. Ah. And I'm not talking about the like the samurai katana. I want the claymore, the one that's jammed into the ground in Scotland, and it's got like vegetation on it, and it's got growth on it, and it's like the original McLeod sword. That to me, like, and I I don't want a map. I just want to go to Scotland and like f- find it, just by asking around. You know what I mean? Like talking to the locals and. <laughs> trying to find some like grassy knoll out where there's an ancient castle that's all destroyed from this lightning strike that happened 450 years ago, whatever. (laughs) Like I got to seek it out, but I, I need to get a new driver's license first so I can fly overseas. So you can travel, right? Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Okay. It's almost not worth it, right? It's such a pain. Ryan Campbell. So for me, um, as you can guess, it's probably related to Star Wars. Uh, I have always wanted um, specifically a one-to-one scale replica Boba Fett helmet. Um, The whole armor would be cool that you can get, but I'll I'll sell for just the helmet. Um, I've just always wanted one. Like I'll see people like in their dens that have like a full-size awesome like movie accurate with all the scrapes and nicks and stuff boba fett helmet i think it's just the coolest thing um i do have pre-ordered currently the hasbro black series boba fett helmet that's coming out in may so that, i'm kind of excited about that that's probably the closest i'll get to having one but that's definitely something that that i've always wanted in my my collection all right i would have to say for me uh it would be the green crystal from Superman, the original movie mm. uh, that basically builds the entire Fortress of Solitude. I kind of have a knockoff version in my collection, but yeah, you're I'd like one. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would like one that's more uh, authentic to the movie, and if it could light up, that'd be even more awesome. And if I could throw it in a snowbank and something would pop out, that'd be even better. Um, but yeah, for me, it would be the the. Kryptonian knowledge crystal. Now, is there a movie, uh, a replica or like an artifact from a film that you would like to have for everyday use? What about that? Now, see, now this literally has just been presented to me. Yeah. Uh, Not your lies for everyday use. (laughs) So I would love to have, I'll I'll just jump out right now. I just thought of this. I'd love to have, of course, the, uh, the knife from first blood. Um, and it's so even let's go let's go to rambo three and it's even more monstrous and ridiculous and the idea of carrying that knife on a daily basis in my job would just i feel so powerful Uh, you could go to the flea market literally any weekend and probably get achieve that goal i want legit knife i want it made by that guy who made those knives i want it to open it up and have like all the little trinkets he had in there and uh, maybe a little splash of uh, Soviet blood on there. Who knows? Maybe he didn't clean it off all the way, but um, yeah, just, I mean, I could, I think I could pull that. I could probably carry that at my, at my work. So um, that'd be a fun one. Yeah. Just don't take it on, uh, on the plane with you when you go over to Scotland. <laughs> true. True. Might cause you some problems. Ryan Campbell, do you have something uh, for this? impromptu chad cruz challenge so it's something that i can use in everyday life 
You got to have a lightsaber. Yep. Yeah, I would say, I guess lightsaber would be a good one. My, my, the first thing my mind went to would be a speeder bike because that would just be Ooh. badass. To oh, just yeah. Flying down Bridgetown Road. I'd probably wreck it within two minutes, but. Not a pod racer? No, because that, that, I think there's more. I feel like there's more maintenance for that, and it's like it's giant true. and probably wider than a roll. And I, and I would probably be like disintegrating people along the way as they went through yeah. the power strip. So just give me the speeder bike. I can park it in the front yard, hop on, just take off, and then you go. I like it. All right, I think I've come up with one. It's not a uh, movie, but TV show. Kit. Ooh. A car that could drive itself and that I could have conversations with as well. You'd rather have Kit than the A-Team van? The A-Team van doesn't drive itself. It does not. It doesn't talk to you either. Kit doesn't, pretty, have, a, doesn't I mean, have a turbo boost either. It has probably yeah. every tool you could ever imagine in the back of it for any kind well, of... Well, that's true. If I need to do some welding, I'd yeah. want the A-Team van. But I, oh, I'm not one for manual labor, so <laughs> I'm going to go with Kit. I like it. All right. Well, I like this edition of the Bulletproof Podcast, and we certainly hope everybody listening d- did as well. And uh, next time, Chad Cruz... Send us your holy grails on uh, on Twitter or whatever, Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. At Bulletproof Pod, let us know what your holy grail is from either action movies or TV or just some random toys that you wish you had. I know there's, I could probably have listed about 40 of those, but uh, Chad Cruz, next time, warning you in advance, we're going to go on spring break. Ooh. With Andy Sedaris movies and joining us for the debauchery. The one and only, the real Todd Gaines. So that is our next episode, episode 10. So be on the lookout for that. I believe that's going to drop on St. Patrick's Day. So okay, if, perfect. You're not, if you're not drunk, uh, give us a listen. If not, it will obviously be available everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Uh, but I think that's about all the time we have now. I am Chris the Brain for Chad Cruz and Ryan Campbell. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.